Good afternoon. You're listening to KGPR, Great Falls at 89.9 FM. I am Matt Donnelly, and on the phone with me, I have music director and conductor of the Great Falls Symphony, Grant Harville. Hello again, and I'm glad to have you back. Yeah, it's great to be back, Matt. I know I'm, I'm usually in studio, but I happen to be out of town today. Um, but that's okay. I'm sure we'll still have our usual wonderful conversation. You betcha, especially since we're doing this early with the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday coming up. Yeah, I, you know, we um, the concert we'll be talking today is our annual holiday Christmas concert, and uh, we usually do it um, the week after Thanksgiving. The, the City of Great Falls has an event on Friday, um, on the first Friday of December, called Christmas Stroll, and we like to uh, piggyback off that, so we always have our holiday concert that same weekend, although it's a, it's a different day. It's a Sunday matinee uh, at 3 p.m. And it's hard to believe that Christmas is coming, actually it's coming in the distance already, and to help herald the holiday season, we have another concert under the belt. Yeah, well, you know, Christmas has a way of doing that each year, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> and, you know, I often talk about, uh, um, you know, most orchestras, of course, will do a holiday concert, and, you know, I get asked why, and, like, what's what's the meaning behind it, and why is it so important to do one? And I always feel like, you know, the holiday season is one where um, it has lots of joy, and it has lots of... Um, celebration, and uh, it can add up to a lot, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of travel, it's a lot of preparation, it's a lot of work, um, and it's usually combined with a lot of bad weather. And so uh, I always feel like, you know, what our holiday concert always offers is um, an oasis of some kind, uh, a, uh, a, a brief respite where you don't have any other job, you know, you don't, you're not expected to cook anything, um, or, um, I don't know, you'll pick someone up at the airport or something like that. <laughs> um, you just get, uh, you get a chance to just sit back and, um, uh, sort of let your mind, um, uh, simmer, if that's the right word, just let mm-hmm. things, um, settle is perhaps a better one just for just for an hour or two and um and i think that um it's helpful at all times i think that's one of the reasons why uh live music is important in general um but it's uh particularly valuable i think for a lot of us in the holiday season and i noticed that we have a lot of music that's going to be under the belt uh for this uh christmas concert and uh, we have some very special pieces yeah, well, they're all special, of course, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I'll, I'll start by um, just mentioning one of our shorter pieces. It's one that shows up on holiday concerts a lot. It's the March of the Toys from Babes in Toyland. Mm. Um, it's uh, it's um, it's from an operetta, actually, uh, 1903 by Victor Herbert. But it's one that's been made into a couple of different movies over the years. So there are film versions of it too, and. Um, uh, the March of the Toys section uh, features a toy maker whose toys come to life. It's interesting, depending on which version of this you've seen, whether you've seen the original operetta or a later version of the stage play or one of the movies, mm-hmm. um, this uh, plot of Babes in Toyland is um, more or less evil. 
Um, the original uh, 1903 version actually has a lot in common with um, a series of unfortunate events, the Lemony Snicket thing. Yeah, uh, Lemony Snicket. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, um, where essentially you have a couple of orphans and this evil uncle who is trying to essentially murder them. Uh, Uh-oh. To get their money. <laughs> Um, but which is essentially exactly the plot of a series of unfortunate events. He sort of uh, puts them into all of these dangerous situations, and one of these dangerous situations is um, this uh, this toy shop where the toys come to life. Um, depending on which version you see, the toys are either made for evil or made for good. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, in the original version, these toys are unfriendly uh, when they come to life. Uh, but uh, yes, they've been um, they've been given a uh, a reputational makeover uh, as the decades have gone by, and mm-hmm. the march is um, one of the most famous pieces now. It's one of the most beloved, and it's it's great. It's fun. It's jaunty. It's a, a cute little tune um, that sort of yeah uh, celebrates all of these toy so- soldiers and such. Uh, yeah, marching around the shop. And here is March of the Toys from Babes in Toyland by Victor Herbert. Let's listen in.
This is KGPR Great Falls at 89.9 FM. My name is Matt Donnelly, and on the phone with me I have music director and conductor of the Great Falls Symphony, Grant Harville. Hi, Matt. Good to be back. You betcha. It's always fun to do these interviews with you. I always look forward to them. Yeah, me as well. And we're going to, speaking of toy shops, like with uh, Babes in Toyland, we're going to be going to an actual magic toy shop. And this time it's by Otorino Respighi, and we're not going to be venturing the Pines of Rome or the Fountains of Rome, but a magic toy shop. Right. Um, You know, uh, there is something of a toy shop where the toys come to life sort of theme to this holiday concert uh, this year. Um, the, the story of Respighi's magic toy shop actually goes back to um, the composer Rossini, um, who most famous for his operas and his opera overtures, things like the Barber of Seville and um, uh, William Tell, mm-hmm. uh, those pieces. But uh, he, um, amongst musicians, he's particularly famous and admired for the fact that he made himself incredibly rich. Um, and uh, that's something that uh, musicians always, uh, you know, uh, look up to, those musicians who are able to do that. But mm-hmm. uh, he essentially retired pretty young. And um, and so at the end of his life, he, he didn't write operas anymore, but he wrote these pieces uh, called Sins of Old Age. Um, these uh, silly little things, not all of them are silly, and they're all, a lot of them are very nice, but some of them, you can get a sense of how... Uh, uh, a little seriousness he gave them by some of the titles. So some of the music that um, is related to this piece, these are uh, piano pieces, and they're taken from uh, a couple of sets called Four Hors d'Oeuvres and Four Habitual Liars, mm-hmm. and they have titles like Pickles and Butter and <laughs> the Castor Oil Waltz and things like that. So... So Rossini writes these piano pieces at the end of his life when he's perfectly well off and can do this sort of thing. Um, and in 1919, uh, Rispighi sort of gets his hands on some of these and shows them to some uh, ballet organizing friends of his, and they decide to create a ballet based on these Rossini uh, piano pieces, and Rispighi is there to adapt them for, for orchestra. So the piece actually first premiered in London in the summer, but the second performance in Paris this, of this ballet, the Magic Toy Shop, based on these Rossini uh, piano pieces, that second performance in Paris is on Christmas Eve, and um, it has a story which, uh, again, involves toys coming to life. Uh, in this case, uh, there's a customer who comes into the shop and says, oh, I want to buy one of these uh, dancing toys, and um, that night, all of the dolls are very upset because two of these dancing toys are in love and they're going to be split up. And so they basically mm-hmm. um, sort of uh, stage a coup or something like that. They, they um, kind of take over the shop and ensure that they can't be sold. Mm. And um, when the customer returns, uh, they, they hide one of the, the dolls. And when the customers come back, um, they blame the shopkeeper for you know losing them or hiding them or pretending <laughs> it's not there. Um, but the toys, the toys come to the shopkeeper's defense and um, save the day. Um, 
the uh, end result, you know, the, the music from the ballet is a lot of ballet music is based on this sort of idea of national dances. So, you know, from the Nutcracker, they have mm-hmm. the Russian dance and the Arabian dance and things like that. And that's pretty common for different ballets. Mm-hmm. And we have that in this case, too. So we have um, a can-can, which is a French dance, a, a tarantella, um, which is a, an Italian dance where you supposedly have been bitten by a spider and it makes you go nuts. Um, you have a Cossack dance, which is a kind of Russian dance. Um, but as I say, all of these are based on uh, these uh, Rossini, um, yeah, Rossini uh, piano pieces, which are named after weird food. Essentially. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, but I think today... Um, Matt, we're going to listen to, I believe, seven of the pieces from mm-hmm. from the ballet, which is what we'll play on our concert as well, uh, starting with the overture and then going through these different kinds of national uh, dance styles as we tell the story of the, the toys who come to life and save the day. Here are seven selections from The Magic Toy Shop, originally written by Giacchino Rossini and orchestrated by Otorino Respighi. Let's listen in.
Yeah, Respighi is known for his wonderful lush orchestrations, especially with some of his, like with his Roman trilogy or his Church Windows piece, but he does a fantastic job on orchestrating Rossini's original concept of how this uh, piece was written originally for piano and then bringing it to the orchestra. Right. You know, Rossini um, really, sorry, Respighi really enjoyed and really was interested in um, kind of historic Italian culture. So, as you say, he's probably most famous for things like Pines of Rome and Fountains mm-hmm. of Rome and um, uh, Roman festivals, which are these pieces which talk about, either sort of depict um, these Roman features or in some cases, like, literally depict ancient Roman events. Mm-hmm. Um and he also wrote uh, a set of pieces called Ancient Airs and Dances, which are yeah. primarily on Italian Renaissance-era songs and dances. Um, so in, in that sense, you know, in the Magic Toy Shop, which is based on Rossini, is sort of in that same vein. You know, uh, Rossini is not nearly as old as those other sources. Um, mm-hmm. We're talking, when Rossini writes these piano pieces, the castor oil waltz and so on, um, he's writing these in the 1860s, probably, mm-hmm. uh, 1850s, 1860s. And, um, and you know, and Respighi is orchestrating them a mere 50, 60 years later in 1919. But, you know, the, he's known, of course, again, for these huge orchestrations, things mm-hmm. like, as you say, Pines of Rome. Um, but he can go small when he wants to go small. And, you know, and in this case... We're talking about something that's very playful, right? Mm-hmm. You have dancing toys and uh, magic toys coming to life and things like that. and um, So it has a, a certain more uh, sparkly quality to the way that he orchestrates. But um, but as always, it's always effective. For Spiegel, um, you know, knew what he was doing when it came to the orchestra. So these adaptations of the piano pieces work uh, really well once the... Uh, once the strings and winds and percussion and all that get their hands on them. And do you have any information about this concert? Yeah, absolutely. So it's our annual holiday concert at the Great Falls Symphony. It's always one of our most popular ones. Um, It will involve the chorus, although that last piece did not. Um, Our symphonic choir is always our partner in crime for this one. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's going to take place December 3rd. That's a Sunday, Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. And so people are interested in tickets, of course, we uh, would love to see you there. The best place to go is our website, uh, gfsymphony.org, and that will get you the rest of the way. Excellent. And also, a Christmas concert can't be complete without good old John Williams. And this time it's from yeah, his 1990 uh, film, Home Alone. Right. So um, I, I don't know how... I, I won't... Um, uh, offend by asking your age, Matt. I, I will say that I am old enough to remember the kind of phenomenon that Home Alone was when it came out in 1990, just how ragingly popular it was. Um, oh, me I too. I, 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 remember, I remember when it when the movie came out. Uh, I was about, uh, right. yeah, I was about six years old at the time when it first came out, and I remember it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and of course, uh, I was surprised that John Williams did the music, and it was just... Uh, Wonderful that he did a lot of um, Carl Stalling um, motifs here and there when when uh, Macaulay Culkin, Kevin McAllister was trying to defeat the the 
the the the burglars that were coming in the house and everything it definitely shows his versatility. Yeah. yeah, and and you know there's lots of sort of quotes of some famous Christmas music in the score, things like uh, the Russian dance for the Nutcracker and mm-hmm. uh, Ukrainian bell carol shows up there too. I um, you know I, I we actually a friend of mine went. You know, we were very young, but you mm-hmm. know, we were taken by our parents to go see the movie, and it was sold out. So I didn't actually see it right when it came out. I will say, uh, <laughs> it's just the kind of kid that I was. I always felt bad for the burglars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, 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 they spend the whole time just getting horribly mutilated. Uh, and so I, I um, you know, the, the kind of cartoonishness was sort of lost on me, I think. Uh, so, you know, just, to me, it felt like this uh, awful horror movie, kind of like the Saw film. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yes, it was insanely popular. And, um, and you know, and John Williams, you know, he's, um, he's a chameleon, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. done so many different movies, and um, it's what makes him so good at what he does is that he knows what to do for the project at hand. And, mm-hmm. and so for Home Alone, you get, again, these sort of cartoonishly kinds of things, but it's also gets some sort of sweetness. And certainly for a holiday film, um, there's a kind of nostalgic quality to it. Um, the, the three pieces that we're doing from the score, it's, they're collected in a version called Three Holiday Songs from Home Alone. And they all, um, and these do involve our symphonic choir, as I mentioned before. Um, uh, the titles are Somewhere in My Memory, Star of Bethlehem, and Merry Christmas. The, the third one was actually written um, as a... Uh, it, isn't, it doesn't appear in this, the movie, I don't think. It was written kind of later as kind of a special or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Somewhere in My Memory is sort of a theme song for it. It was nominated for an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Star of Bethlehem is actually my favorite, which is the, the middle one. But, um, yeah, they're very... Um, these are these are songs that are meant to, especially, I think, for adults, actually, mm-hmm. um, sort of get you into sort of this childhood mindset. And, you know, the um, I've been saying that the sort of theme for our concert in some ways is always coming to life, but in some ways it's, you know, it's um, looking back on Christmas as, you know, you experience it as a kid, and I, I think the, for Home Alone, again, for me, <laughs> I, you know, I was very distracted by the violence, but, you know, for kid, most kids, it's this sort of, um, uh, you know, the sort of secret fantasy, right? You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm stuck at home by myself, and my parents aren't here to save me, and how am I going to save the day? And yep. <laughs> you know, I'm going to outwit all the all the grown-ups and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that sense, you know, it sort of puts you back into your... Um, it gets you in touch with your inner child a little bit. And, and in that way, that, that's what the music does. It's, uh, it's It takes all these... Um, jaded uh, old people like me and uh, sort of brings them back and puts them into a more uh, childlike perspective. And here are three holiday songs from the film Home Alone by John Williams. Let's listen in.
Uh, you gotta love nostalgia, Grant. I mean, that, that like I said, every time I hear this, <laughs> it just takes me back to not only hearing Home Alone, but to, uh, experiencing Christmas when I was very young, when I was that age when when the movie came yeah. out. It just it still touches my heart, especially the somewhere in my memory piece. Yeah, and you know the as I was saying before we played it, it's um, it's very explicitly designed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, when we talk about John Williams, you know, what, why is he so well-known? What mm-hmm. has made him sort of the name that he is? And, and it's his ability to do that, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's um, knowing what the job is, okay, this is what needs to be accomplished, and accomplishing it as sort of directly and immediately as really anybody has ever done. And so, you know, in this case, that's the job. The job is to uh, be as um, overtly Christmassy as you could possibly be. And um, and that's the thing with, yeah, with John Williams is that he, when he knows what to do, he, he, he knows how to do it too. So, um yeah, you, you rarely say about John Williams, you know, oh, he missed the vibe on that one. And mm. he certainly didn't miss the vibe uh, for And almost everything he touched was pretty much turned to gold. I mean, he's been nominated like numerous times and won like five Oscars. And sure. he still remains one of the most iconic film composers of, our, of all time and probably the greatest of our time. Yeah, well, and Home Alone was nominated for both the full score and for Best Original Song for mm-hmm. somewhere in my memory. Um, yeah, and, you know, a, a lot of times the job, of course, for a film score is to be not so memorable. And, you know, when that's the job, you mm-hmm. can do it, too. You know, sometimes you'll see a score and not realize that it's a John Williams score. Um, but it still it still does the job it needs to do, even if it doesn't have, like, the big Star Wars tune or something like that. Yeah. And also we have another, of course, I know that uh, there's going to be like um, a Christmas sing-along, and plus uh, I've heard that uh, Gesu Bambino by uh, Bach is going to be performed, and even music from yeah, Frozen. So, yeah, we've got a few others here. We won't hear them all on the show today, but um, we'll certainly uh, be no shortage of familiar carols. We're, we're opening with a carol medley, and... As I always say, you know, we end with a carol sing-along, and um, uh, I always say that it is your duty as an audience member to be embarrassingly loud uh, (laughs) during that Uh, sing-along. I I expect fully that I will be able to hear the audience uh, uh, as we're doing this, and um, shame is not a virtue uh, when it comes to the sing-along. We want uh, full-throated exuberance for that. Um, we will be playing uh, some music from Frozen, um, and uh, as you say, Jesu Bambino, which is um, it's a, uh, uh, a Christmas carol. It's a relatively recent one, as Christmas carols go. It's from 1917. Mm-hmm. Um, this version of it is actually sort of a mashup with um, uh, a movement from one of Bach's Christmas oratorios, so it sort of seamlessly weaves in between uh, the two. So, yeah, with all of that, it should be uh, plenty of uh, uh, either snowy or mm-hmm. um, caroly kinds of features. And every time I think of the music from Frozen, I keep thinking of the joke 
people just can't learn. They just need to learn to let it go. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, you know, I talked about uh, how, you know, Home Alone when I was a kid, my main takeaway is that this is the most, like, violent movie I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I, I think for some parents of particularly enthusiastic Elsa fans, uh, Frozen is its own kind of uh, terror. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, but they're good tunes, uh, good pop songs as uh, those things go. And um, certainly, um, it's not technically the sing-along, but I have no doubt that there will be some singing-along as uh, as we perform that one. And we also have one more piece that we uh, that uh, we haven't talked about yet, and it's the mo- and it's probably the mo- one of the most famous Christmas songs to be heard. That's o- that's often heard in orchestras around the world, called the Sleigh Ride by good old yeah. Leroy Anderson. Right. So, you know, when uh, for our COVID years, we had two um, two years where we had to kind of stay small, and um, we actually didn't play Sleigh Ride, and I'm pretty sure that um, there, if we had done it any longer without playing Sleigh Ride at our holiday concert, there would have been riots in the streets. So <laughs> uh, we managed to uh, correct that, and we will be ending with Sleigh Ride. Um, Sleigh Ride is most famous. It's written in 1946 um, when Leroy Anderson came back from the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, famously written during a heat wave in the summer. Wow! And uh, the um, uh, for us, we uh, we always do this with a guest conductor. Mm-hmm. So um, this year we actually have a um, a young person who's going to be joining us, uh, who has won the honor. Um, and is, uh, yeah, is going to be conducting sleigh ride for us. Wow! Uh, so that's going to be interesting. It's always a, a fun way to get uh, people involved. But um, yes, have no fear. Um, if you're worried for even an instant that mm-hmm. sleigh ride is not going to show up on this concert, I assure you, uh, you're going to be safe. That uh, you will hear, you will hear some sleigh ride for sure. Yes, and it can't be a Christmas show without any sleigh ride. You got that's uh, that's well, pretty much right. the. Uh, <laughs> What that's pretty much uh, pretty much the icing on the cake almost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as as I say, you know, if, uh, I think people understood when it came to COVID um, why we needed to uh, adjust some things. But um, you know, you, you get a lot of side eye um, mm-hmm. when you do a Christmas concert without sleigh rides. So the the patience was wearing thin, <laughs> and so sleigh rides been back now for a couple of years, and it continues. Excellent. And here is Sleigh Ride by Leroy Anderson. Let's listen in.
Welcome back. This is KGPR Great Falls at 89.9 FM. I am Matt Donnelly, and over the phone with me, I have music director and conductor of the Great Falls Symphony, Grant Harville. Welcome back. Thanks, Matt. And once again, what is uh, this? Con- when is this concert going to be taking place? Yeah, so this is the Great Falls Symphony's annual uh, Christmas holiday concert, which is December 3rd. It's a Sunday, and it's at 3 p.m. Uh, we will be joined, as always, by our symphonic choir, and we'll have a little visit from uh, Santa as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, we hope you all, you all make it. If you don't have your ticket already, um, the best place to uh, find one is at gfsymphony.org. And one thing that just uh, came to my mind, you know, with uh, Sleigh Ride, it reminded me that uh, Leroy Anderson's not the only person that ever wrote a piece about a sleigh ride. I mean, Mozart did, as well as uh, Frederick Delius. Uh, yeah, Delius did, as well, and Mozart. And uh, um, another one that actually gets played a lot, although we're not doing it this year, is the one from Lieutenant Kijay by Sergei Prokofiev. Yeah, the Troika. nice... The Troika, which just means a sort of a, instead of a one-horse open sleigh, that's a three-horse open sleigh. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, lots of musical sleigh rides out there, for sure, but uh, certainly uh, Leroy Anderson's version is the one that uh, people tend to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And do you have any closing thoughts about this concert before we head on out? I'll just hope to see everybody there, and we should have a great time, and uh Wishing everybody a fantastic holiday season. You betcha. And once again, I am Matt Donnelly, and over the phone with me was Grant Harville, music director and conductor of the Great Falls Symphony. Once again, it's always a pleasure. Uh, Me too. Thanks, Matt. And if I don't see you soon, you have a wonderful and Merry Christmas, and we'll definitely uh, look forward to doing more interviews again for the next concert, which will be sometime next year. Yeah, I'll be back in January for sure. And this is KGPR Great Falls at 89.9 FM, public radio for North Central Montana.